In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ said to the people, the repentance of the Ninevites is actually an ideal example for repentance. And he said the people of Nineveh will stand in the day of judgment and condemn this generation because they repented at the preaching of John. So let us look at their repentance to learn in our life from their repentance. So let's start from verse 5, John chapter 3, verse 5. And let's analyze their repentance. Number one, the people of Nineveh believed God. So the first step in their repentance, they believed God. Jonah went to them and told them after 40 days, this city will be turned upside down. They had two options, either to believe God or not to believe God. They believed. If they did not believe God, then they wouldn't repent, right? I'm sure every one of us will say, I believe God, so I am done with this point. But let me show you that most of us who don't believe God, or our action means we don't believe God. Believing here to take God serious, to take God serious, it says believing here. In the book of Revelation said, that outside heavenly Jerusalem, all the murderers, all the fornicators, etc., etc., and all the liars, all the liars. So, if you take this seriously, you should not lie. Because if you lie, you will be outside heavenly Jerusalem. So, do believe God, or we don't believe God. Swearing, for example. I am taking the sins that are common to all of us. I'm not speaking about major sins. Swearing. In the book of Zechariah, Zechariah saw a vision in which he saw there is a curse from God goes to every house in which there is a swearing. A curse. So, do you believe God? Do you believe that those who swear they will be cursed or not, is in scripture. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said, he who says to his brother, O foolish one, deserve the fire of hell. Do we say to each other foolish and other cursing words? Yes, we do. So, do you take God seriously? So the first point actually, if you want to repent, to take this warning or this commandment seriously, to believe that they will happen. If God said, if you curse, if you swear, if you lie, you will not go to heaven, you need to take it seriously. You need to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, you will not go to heaven. So to what extent we are taking the words of God seriously? That's number one. Then after belief to God, they proclaimed a fast. Proclaimed a fast. These people were Gentiles, but from where the idea of fasting came to them? You know, as St. Paul said, our spirit fights against our flesh. 
and our flesh fights against our spirit. So we have as if two persons fighting with each other. If you have two persons fighting with each other, who will win the fight? The stronger or the weaker? The stronger. So if my flesh is strong and my spirit is weak, who will win? The flesh. So I end up what? Carnal person. Carnal person means I am walking according to the desires of the flesh. That the word carnal mean. But if my spirit is strong and my body, I'm not going to say weak, but I will use another word, biblical word, disciplined, under control. Then the spirit will win. The spirit will be in control of my body. Then I will be spiritual. How you feed your body and how you feed your spirit. If you are going to give your body all what your body needs above and beyond what you need, then you're actually spoiling your body. That's why St. Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest after I preach it others, I myself be disqualified. So St. Paul actually is concerned to be disqualified. So he said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. And how you feed your spirit? Through prayer, through the scripture, through worship in the church, liturgies, vespers, midnight praises. All these are the food, the nutrition of the spirit. Unfortunately, some of us, our spirit has malnutrition. We are not actually strong in spirit. That's why when Satan tempts us, we fall just like this. Because our spirit is not strong. These people knew and they have to discipline their body. That's why they proclaimed the fast. Many youth, although the youth are strong, not like old people who start to have many illness in their body. Unfortunately, many youth, they don't fast. Or even they keep the fast in a very spoiled way. It's okay to eat pizza with the cheese, no big deal. It's okay to take coffee with milk, no big deal. So actually, I am fasting, but I am giving permission to myself to eat this and this and this and this. So what kind of fasting is? What kind of disciplining your flesh it is? I see people when they do diet, diet just to, to lose some weight, they are very strict. But when it comes to fasting, we're not. So again, do you want to be a carnal person or a spiritual person? It's your choice. If you discipline your body and feed your spirit, then you will be a spiritual person. If you neglect your spirit and spoil your body, you will be a carnal person. But there is a third option. Some of us, they keep the fast very strict. But on the other side, they don't feed the spirit. They don't pray. They don't go to church. They don't read the Bible. No nutrition for the spirit. Then actually you will end up with a big body and, and big, a weak spirit. So you, you are not going to win in the spiritual warfare. That's why these two should go together. Those attended liturgy today in the fraction who say fasting and 
prayer. Fasting to discipline your body. Prayer to nourish your spirit. You cannot separate them. As the Lord said about Satan, this kind cannot come out by any way except by prayer and fasting. So these people, after they believed God, they proclaimed a fast. Number three, they put on sackcloth, and if we jump to verse six, then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Why they do this? To humble themselves before the Lord. For example, if you have a violation, and then you go to the court, you will never stand before the judge in arrogant way and ask the judge to dismiss your ticket or your violation. Actually, go in a humble way to ask him to dismiss the violation. So if during fasting, if we are asking God to forgive our sins because it's part of our repentance, we need actually to humble ourselves. Literally, I'm not asking you to put on sackcloth and to sit on ashes, but humble yourself. What about during the time of fasting? Don't purchase new clothes, for example, and try to control your expenses during the time of fasting. Instead, instead of going every day and get Starbucks and pay four or five dollars or more, you know, what about just Quit four days, five days, maybe all the week and save this money and send it to the poor extra than your tithe. Believe me or not, nothing will happen to you if you, you, you quit coffee for the 40 days of the fasting. Nothing will, or if you get your coffee from just regular coffee shop. And here actually you humble yourself and you send this money that you are saving from not uh, yani, indulging yourself in shopping and getting things just just vanity and, and save this and send it to the poor. Because during the whole fast, you will hear, blessed are those who are merciful on the poor. So we ask God to have mercy upon us. Then we need to be merciful on others. So number one, Believe God. Number two, discipline your flesh. Number three, humble yourself. Number four, in verse five, from the greatest to the least of them. It is a communal fast. A communal fast. Fasting, there is individual fast and a communal fast. It is very important to fast together. As the Lord said, if two or three gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. And in the divine liturgy, we say, he made us unto himself and assembled people. When we fast together and when we pray together, we support one another. My fasting will support your fasting and your fasting will support mine. So if I decide not to fast, I'm not only losing the blessing of fasting in my life, but also, I am weakening your fasting because I'm not supporting you by participating with the rest in fast. During the time of Easter, when 
she decided to go to the king. She asked actually the whole nation of, uh, of Israel to fast for her. And they fasted. And God gave her grace in the eyes of the king. So you need to think 10 times before you decide to break a fast. It's a communal fast. Communal means each one of us should participate in it. You can see here, according to their understanding, the king fasted. Even the children, even as you read in, in verse 7, by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd, flock, taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink water. So everyone fasted. Even they let the animals fast with them. So they believed God. They proclaimed the fast, disciplined their body, humbled themselves. All of them participated in the fast. About sitting in ashes, in the Catholic Church, the fast starts on Wednesday. We, the great fast, start on Monday. But they start on Wednesday. And this Wednesday they called Ash Wednesday. The day before Wednesday, so we, we eat. And we, we remove the non-fasting fast. We indulge in the refine. They, they call it in English, they call it Fat Tuesday. Fat يعني كل In French, they call it Mardi Gras. And unfortunately, in some cities like New Orleans, Mardi Gras became a, a very ungodly, and I can say satanic celebration. And I, under, I don't understand how people prepare themselves to the fasting by indulging in all the immorality that you can imagine or you cannot imagine. I don't want you to imagine. Unfortunately, that's the case right now about Mardi Gras. About Ash Wednesday, the people go to the church and speak about the Catholic Church. And they do a cross with ashes in their forehead. And the meaning of it, today we're going to start the fasting. So you need actually to humble yourself and to live an ascetic life and to discipline your body. So the same principle in all the traditional church, whether the Orthodox Church or the Catholic Church is the same. Fasting is time of humbleness, time of disciplining your flesh, time of living in asceticism. Then verse 8, how many points we said four so far? They took God seriously, disciplined the flesh, humbled themselves, and they fast as a community, communal fast. Verse 8, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Cry mightily to God. Prayer. In fasting, actually, we need to pray more than any other time in the year. For example, if you pray twice a day, Maybe during fasting, go and ask Abuna, he can give you a third prayer, 
So you pray in the morning, evening, and at night. If you are reading one chapter, maybe you need to read two chapters every day. And I want to emphasize the word cry mightly. Cry is not to scream, but cry, it comes from the depth of your heart. Out of the depth I cry to you, O Lord, as David said. So it will not be just words uttered by your mouth, but words uttered from your heart. Cry mightly. In order to understand this, can you imagine a person in the ocean drowning and he's crying for help? How can he cry? Do you think he would say, would please come and rescue me? Or he'll be crying. In the same way, you are crying to God to rescue from drowning in the flood of this passing world, to rescue from the attacks of Satan, to rescue from the temptation of the world that surrounding us. So every morning and every night, we pray and we cry to the Lord. Sometimes we say, we don't have time, I am busy. Fasting is time for actually, if I call it, solitary life. What do you mean by solitary life? For example, if you are studying, working, so maybe what you need to do during the time of fasting to go to your school and you need to study well and also go to the church and worship If you have work, go and work. But can we eliminate the social time during fasting? At least from Monday to Friday? What I mean social time? Not necessarily when we meet together. Social time is the time you spend over the phone, time you spend texting, some time you spend on social media, time you spend watching movies and the TV, watching news, etc. Can you eliminate all this and just save this time to feed your spirit? If you actually avoid any social activity at least five days from Monday to Friday, I'm sure every day you will have extra time. More than the time that you need to work and to go to school and to study, etc. This time dedicated to pray more to read the Bible more, to study more the scripture of God, and to read spiritual books, to listen to sermons. That's how you're going to nourish your spirit. It's time to store for the rest of the year spirituality in your heart. It's time of storage. So you need actually to spend the time with God. And during this time, you need to pray mightly and cry mightly to the Lord. Words are not from, should not come only from your mouth, but more importantly, to come from your heart. Number six, we said they took God seriously, they disciplined their body, they lived in asceticism and humbled themselves. All of them participated together, cried mightly to the Lord. Number six, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Everyone turn from his evil way and violence from that's in his hand. Repentance 
actually is making a new term. Exactly. Doing the opposite of what you are doing. If you turn your Bible to Ephesians, St. Paul explained in Ephesians this you turn Chapter 4, starting from verse 28. Let me give you an example. What do I mean by it's you turn He said, let him who stole steal no longer. But this is not the repentance. And to stop stealing is one step. But what is the other step? What is the U-turn? But rather, let him labor, working with his hands what's good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So, a person is going this way, stealing. Now he is repenting. So he will stop stealing, but this is not enough. The U-turn, he has to labor and work by his hand. What is good? In order to have money, and this money not only just to support himself, but to give others who have need. Can you see the U-turn here? Another example. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. So again, I say corrupt words, so I will stop here. Is this enough? No. What's the U-turn? But what is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So it's not enough to stop saying corrupt words. But you need actually to be careful in selecting your words and to say what is good for edification. That your words impart grace to the hearers. Another example, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, put away from you with all malice. So, here again, I'm, I'm walking this way. I decided to repent. So, no bitterness, no wrath, no anger, no clamor, no evil speaking, no malice. Is this enough? No. So, you turn here. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's the repentance. Repentance is actually you are making U-turn, exactly the opposite of what you are uh, doing right now. Repentance in Greek means metanoia, metanoia. That's what repentance means. Metanoia is a Greek word. Meta means to change. Noia from the word of nous. Nous means mind. So change your mind. Or renew your mind. Or think differently. St. Paul told us in Romans 12, be transformed. If you want to change, transformation means to change. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So if you want to change, if you want to repent, if you are an angry person and you want to be kind, if you use bad language and you want to use graceful language, if you want to change, it starts by the renewal of your mind. The idea of renewal of your mind is how to think differently. How to think differently. Once you start thinking differently, this actually will change you. Let me give you an, an example. Jonah saw that people are bad. 
and he wanted God to burn them, to destroy them. If Jonah start to look at the people as the creation of God, and they need compassion, and need mercy from God, if he changed his mind to think this way, he would ask God have mercy on them. God forgive them. Right? It starts here in your mind. It starts here in your mind. In dealing with one another. If you look at the other person as bad, he deserved that I'll be harsh with him. He deserves that I should not show him any kindness so will not take advantage of me. Then you will not be changed. But if you start to think about the other person, as a good person, but he has illness, a spiritual illness. And this illness should actually, needs from me compassion, understanding, support, prayer. And then actually, the way I deal with others will change. Can you imagine a person who is stoned to death, is praying for the forgiveness of those who are stoning him? I'm speaking about Saint Stephen. How this happened? Because he changed his mind. If he looked at them as people killing him, it will be very difficult for him to forgive them. But he looked at them as people actually giving him the glory and the crowns that he saw when the heaven was open. So he said, these people actually give me all this glory. These people give me all these crowns. They need to be forgiven, not to be held accountable for this. So, change your mind in order to be able to repent and to return from your evil way and from the violence as written in Jonah chapter 3 verse 8. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that's in his hand. Maybe it will be a good exercise when you go home tonight and you need to write like the major struggles. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with words. I'm struggling with lust, whatever. And then you ask God to help you to, to see what is the U-turn that you need to make. Because you need to make like a U-turn. What is the U-turn you need to make in order to be serious in your repentance. The last point, I spoke about six points, they took God seriously, disciplined their flesh, they humbled themselves and lived in asceticism, all of them participated in the fast, they cried mightily to the Lord, and they repented. Number seven, verse nine, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. The last point in repentance is hope and confidence. If they said it is too late, God will never forgive us, they would not repent. And that's exactly what Satan tried to convince us with. God will not accept you. It's too late. You cannot repent. You will go, not you, the person will go to hell, but go to hell.
I remember one time I had a discussion with a group of youth. They were very smart in the school and their study, but all of them had a, a theological question. Why God create me without my consent? And then if I don't live godly life, he would send me to hell for eternity. This was the question. And I tried to answer them theologically, but I can see on their faces they were not convinced. And at the end, and after I, I made a quick prayer, God inspired me with the idea. And he told me, this group of youth do not need a theological answer. They see it impossible to go to heaven. So if you give them hope that going to heaven is easy, it's not difficult, as Satan is actually trying to convince them, they will be convinced. So I told you they are very, very smart, very intelligent. So I told them, you know what? To get to heaven is easier than to get to medical school. <laughs> Actually, this answer calmed them and they wrote it on the social media. Bishop Yusuf says to get to heaven is easier than to get to medical school. Because Satan actually tried to tell you it is impossible to go to heaven. If you think about it, actually it's very easy to go to heaven. Once we are born in baptism, we get the righteousness as a free gift from God. Righteousness of Christ. That's why you are dressed white after baptism. Then, yes, you need to discipline your body, you need to fight the good fight. But if you fall down in any sin, well, there is repentance, confession, and communion. And the blood of Jesus Christ purify us from all sins. I'm not saying this to take advantage to say, okay, I'm going to do whatever I want to do and then I'll come and confess it. No, you need to fight the good fight. But again, there is no limit. In some colleges, if you fail three times or four times, you will be kicked out of school. But Rabbina never told us you have four chances and then you'll be kicked out of heaven. From our childhood until now, we repeat the same sins and we repeat the same confession and God is still forgiving us and accepting us. So again, it's very easy to go to heaven. It's very easy to go to heaven. And God wants us to go to heaven. He does not desire the death of a sinner, but rather that he return and lives. That's his desire. Do you know why? Because he loves us. Do you know how much he loves us? He died on the cross. He shed his blood. So the blood will be available on the altar to forgive my sins. So any sin I will commit and I come, it be forgiven. Completely forgiven. So you need actually to have confidence in God and fight the good fight. Hold with the promise of eternal life. And don't leave Satan and tell you, heaven is not for you. No, heaven is for us. In Matthew 25, the Lord said to the people on his left hand, go, depart from me, evil doer, to the lake of fire that's prepared for whom? For Satan and his angels. So hell is not prepared for us. 
is prepared for Satan and the, the demons. He said on the people on his right hand, come to me, blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom of God that's prepared for you before the foundation of the world. So God did not prepare hell for us. God prepared the kingdom of heaven for us. And he did everything possible. So we don't have excuse. He did everything possible for us. So we can go to heaven. We need just to accept this free gift. Can you imagine if there is spray that can remove any spot from the carpet, from clothes like this? Yes, you need to be careful. But if something is spelled here, it's not a big deal. I will use this spray, spray it, and it will be brand new again. Blood of Jesus Christ purify us from all sins. From all sins. What happened after Jonah told them God will destroy your city in 40 days? Verse 10, then God saw their works, saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, they repaired. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. So God forgave them and God accepted So, as I told you in the beginning, the repentance of the invites is a role model for all of us to follow. The Lord actually testified for them and said the people of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. So, in the day of judgment, they will stand and condemn this generation. Because this generation did not repent at the preaching of Jesus Christ. And they repented at the preaching of John. So to summarize, there are seven points in their repentance. Seven points. Number one, they believed God. They took God seriously. Number two, they disciplined their flesh. Number three, they humbled themselves before God. Number four, all of them participated. Number five, they prayed, they cried mightily to God. Number six, they repented. They turned away from their evil way. And number seven, they had hope and confidence that God will accept them, will accept their repentance and will forgive them. Now we are fasting for three days. In two weeks or ten days, we'll fast the great fast. I hope that we can take this time to build up our spiritual life to take our spiritual life seriously, to nourish our spirit, to nourish our souls by the word of God. So at the end of the fast, we can say with the man who was born blind, I was blind, but now I can see. I was blind spiritually, but now God opened my eye and I can see. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.